0: Hey there and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. I'm Sam Knorr. Inspiration is one of the best ways to transform. Conversations with Leaders is a bi-weekly interview with key industry players, CEOs, financial authors and professional money managers worldwide. Get valuable insights from the people who've seen it all. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode brought to you by eToro and today I am joined by rugby royalty Chris Robshaw who captained Harlequins and played over 300 games for them and also over 60 games for the English national team. So we're going to talk about rugby, investing, the recent World Cup as well. Chris it's great to have you with us. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well thank you. it's, um, It's good to see you, good to be here as well. I like said on the back of the World Cup, I've been back and forth to France, like I'm sure a lot of people have on our shores, um, and you know it was great. It was a great tournament, um, and yeah, let's get on to it.
0: Yeah, well, I was uh, I was lucky enough to go to Marseille for the quarterfinals with a few friends, and the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, you were obviously at the final, just gone. How was that? Good game.
1: Uh, I mean, what did you think of the the result? Uh, I, I thought South Africa were going to win it. Okay. I know it's easier to say that now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Post it. Um, I just thought the conditions really played into their favour. Big, heavy forward pack. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure the red card probably had a bit of an influence on that. And it is it is a massive shame for Sam, Sam Kane, but unfortunately yeah. he probably... I think whenever you're high, you put yourself at an element of risk. Um, And then they just manage to hold on. They do what South Africa do, and they just squeeze (laughs) you, they turn the screw. And I always remember, whenever you played South Africa, you would always come out of the game thinking, how have we lost that game? But we've lost. Yeah. Because it's not like they have breakaway tries, and they do a lot of magic they just weigh you down they put themselves in the right position they scrum well they move well they have an amazing kicker in Pollard and unfortunately England suffered on the back of him as well um, and they just know how to win big games they won their quarterfinal semi-final and final all by oh, one point. point Yeah, that's some nerve <laughs> that's some nerve to do that um, and they were all big games They, I think they came from behind in every one of those games or not the final but yeah, uh, in, the, in the other two so it's that ability to know how to win and that's what they do better than anyone else at the moment
0: Yeah well now they uh, hold the record for the most World Cups don't they 4-3 to over New Zealand and like you said won every knockout game by by one point which is incredible and didn't even score a point in the second half which I thought was just insane and showed how well they held on you mentioned England there Uh, obviously the semi-final was probably a lot closer than a lot of people thought how would you um, describe England's World Cup journey i mean a lot of people ripped them off before the tournament myself included in that uh, how did you feel you know looking back i mean look, hindsight's 2020 yeah. 20, 20 vision but do you think they were going to have a good
1: tournament yeah of little faith eh? <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> I did actually look I, th- I thought they would get to a semi-final okay yeah. um, and then it was about a bit of luck isn't it yeah. of course you need to play well and you know what i was i was at that semi-final when i was i was doing some corporate stuff and i spoke to them when england were nine points ahead i said they've d- they've done enough Oh. I know I, I think I cursed it because yeah. um, the conditions were horrendous yeah. and they they played the perfect game plan so they, did. they did what straight, uh, South Africa do to you to yeah. them yeah. really put them off their game did really well everyone really fronted up physically and um, and South Africa just clawed their way back in and then that kick in the air by Pollard was... Heartbreaking. <laughs> it, it was heartbreaking. I'm sure everyone's kind of watched the Beckham documentary yeah. recently and it reminded me of that kind of England v Greece last yeah, play of the game to get through to the World Cup. Um, that type of level, the, the th- underfit was horrendous, the conditions were poor. Uh, but from an England point, they'll, they'll be pl- pretty pleased, I think. Yeah. Of course, you're always devastated that they haven't gone on to win it. Um but from where they were pre-tournament and losing 3 out of 4 games mm. first time to Fiji as well I hope um, to then go unbeaten throughout the group the, and then the quarterfinals obviously um, yeah well it was good and to come away with a bronze medal I think that, yeah. that's still something and the, the third best side in the world Yeah, I know, I know, I know there'll be some some other northern hemisphere <laughs> sides that may debate that um, and look the Six Nations when we get into that is, is going to be exciting because I'm sure France and Ireland and, and Scotland and stuff they'll all have their say yeah. and say are you really the third best side and um, you can only as a, as a sports person you always played told to play what's in front of you don't worry about anything else control the controllables play what's in front of you and, yeah. um, and they did exactly that
0: So would you say to the English fans watching this listening to this that they would need to have a a patience think long term or do you think we're now at a level where we can push on like immediately and and maybe challenge for the Six Nations?
1: Yeah I think so I think it's also going to be a really interesting one because there's a couple of players who have said they're not playing anymore in terms of calling laws Ben Young's Um, I don't want to name anyone in case yeah, I, I, say I you retire <laughs> someone um, but there will be some other older players who unfortunately yeah. will probably play their last game for England mm. um, and it's, it's always that stage. what Steve Bork we're going to do is he going to completely cut people off now and say look I've got four years to the next World Cup of course you use Six Nations or will he do it post Six Nations on a summer tour but that summer tour is in New Zealand Yeah. so I don't know if you want to start blooding people into that so look, there's, um, it's definitely a balancing act for sure, and I'm sure there will be a bit of change. Yeah. Um, and there has to be, because there's a lot of the, these players who you, some players have been brilliant, but they probably won't be there in four years' time, unfortunately. And it's um, Courtney was an interesting one, because he's still only 32. Uh, he's me, yeah. still only 32. But I think for him, he's, he's been to four World Cups, Wow, um, he, I know it's amazing I wow. um, he's probably been away from his family for a long time he's played the Lions um, his body's probably not as young as it used to be as well and these type of things do yeah. kind of and when you go back to the club you can probably be managed a little bit better whereas yeah. when you're playing for England you want to be out there every single yeah. minute whether you've got a broken hand or bad ligaments in your knee you want, you want to be strapped up and straight back on the pitch and um, so look, it's it's definitely an interesting time. I think they'll be really pleased with yeah. how they've done and the fans should be as well because I think they definitely changed people's perceptions and minds a little bit. Um, so now all in all, from England, it's a really positive tournament and to build into the Six Nations is amazing. And, and of course, the Premiership. Yeah. Now they go back to the Premiership, which is a, an interesting one. And what what's strange, well not strange, but so I always found and this was always hard with with England or any other nations I'm sure you would play your last game on a Saturday Mm -hmm. travel maybe have some beers on a Saturday night with the team why not Why not? (laughs) and then you kind of travel home on a Sunday literally put your England kit on to wash put that bag in the loft or in the cupboard get your Harlequins bag out (laughs) and the next morning you're going off to the club no rest of the weekend. It can just be endless so and that's now when the clubs and DORs have got a lot smarter, I think, mm. in terms of body management. Yep. But a lot of it's the mental side of it. Mm. So these guys have been away for five and a half months, pre-season camps, warm-up yeah. camps, stuff like that. I think w- with the English guys, I think a lot of their families, because France was obviously so close, could mm. come over. Yeah. You look at the like of the Kiwis or the Australians or the Polynesian nations and stuff, their families probably aren't coming in and out nah. for that tournament. Nah. So they're potentially being away for three months without seeing family Yeah, and stuff it takes like its that. toll, I guess, as well. It does, and I think that's that's a human element. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't see and we probably don't appreciate. Um, but I think the game is so much more progressive with the mental side of it and how do we look after players in that role.
0: Yeah, and as it should be. Uh, another question on the World Cup and, and specifically Tier 2 Nations. There were some people that have been vocal saying... Uh, You know, it should have been four groups of four, for example. Um, But how can we, you know, address that and say actually we need to help build up the tier two nations? I know there's already been some changes for the next World Cup. I think with the groups or there being more groups and more teams. Are you supportive of, of, you know, helping the tier two nations get better and better?
1: Definitely. Look, we we're in a sport where. Actually rugby rugby's in a really difficult place. Yeah. Rugby let's be honest about it. Rugby in this in this country or the tournament and stuff, but we keep going back to the same markets. We need to continue to grow as well. Mm-hmm. Whether that be going into more of the tier two nations, yeah. Where we can build that and we can try and make the most of that. And I, I think every national side, every tier one side should in a calendar year have to play a tier two side. Mm-hmm. Everyone and and I think that'd be really good. So say England did that, say they played a. Uh, I don't know, Romania yeah. or someone, they would use more of the squad yeah. and why wouldn't they take that game to some other ground in the country? Yeah, rather than just Twickenham. Rather yeah, than just yeah, Twickenham. Yeah. And look, I completely understand the Twickenham because you own the stadium. Yeah. So every pound that comes into that is going through to the RFU and that money is being um, sent down to all the way through the club game, through to the grassroots, all over the country. And I understand that if you go to a different stadium, less of that money can go down. But... I think that would be a really good opportunity and, and it would give more players an opportunity to play. And also, you, you would see different teams. Yeah. So hopefully you'd make them better because some of the Tier 2 sides have improved. Yeah, for but sure. But there are some which, which haven't. And I think there was a really interesting stat. So Samoa played Ireland in a warm-up game. Before the just before, before the World, the World Cup, Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, just before the World Cup. And there was a stat which Ireland had, or Samoa had played a quarter of the games... Ireland have played since last World Cup Jeez, it, it's madness yeah. how are we expecting them so, to get to better up, and yeah. improve and, and also play big games you want to play big games and I, look, I understand you, you kind of pair them up with similar things but they need exposure to mm. where they need to get to and also play in the big stadiums and the big arenas and play in England and France and all that kind of stuff um, so I think that would be a nice way of, of trying to help yeah.
0: Chris, let's put you in uh, in the shoes of if you're a real big-time investor in rugby and you've got the power to make any kind of change that you want, you know, what would it be? I mean, there's some people, and I don't think many people actually agree with this, are saying, you know, maybe we need to simplify the scrums or remove them, for example. But if you had the power to change anything, whether it be about the game or anything else, what would you uh, What would you fancy doing?
1: Yeah, look, firstly on the scrums, I don't think that would be be one because you would lose a huge portion of of players yeah. and a certain size of the game yeah. because we we pride ourselves in being a, a game for all shapes and sizes yeah. and if we got rid of that we would become much more rugby league where you're, yeah. you're yeah. a similar kind of build um, and it would be a different game it wouldn't be the game we, we know and love um and also, people say when there's a massive scrum or something, people love, love it. Love it, yeah. And you have, to, it's a dangerous place. It can mm. be dangerous if you get it wrong, if you rush yeah. it. And there's a huge amount of weight. Go, I've had a one on one against some of these front row boys, and they can put you in some <laughs> pain when they're mucking around, let alone like when they've got yeah. seven people behind them. Oh, goodness, so, yeah. look, there's a huge amount of think. In terms of investment, what would, what would I want to do? I, I think with clubs now, the way the model is I don't think you can just be a rugby club mm-hmm. I think they have to do so much more than that unfortunately because unfortunately there were no in the premiership, premiership there were no clubs that make money Right. so whether that be adding some sort of other entertainment how can you use yeah. your stadium elsewhere I think that's a hugely important bit I was never a massive fan of playing on the synthetic pitches the 4G yeah. pitches Yeah, yeah, but I completely understand the financial model because during the week you can rent, rent that out, pitch yeah. out every hour of the day yeah yeah. And uh, you're getting a different income coming in. Um, I know the extra stadium down there; they have a lot of weddings and conferences, mm. and use that kind of space. And I think you have to do that now. Look, like, I think it'd be easy to say, you know what, just just do X, Y, and Z, and and support every game, and just grow it, and put more money, more money in. Um, but we do have to get a bit, a little bit more financially stable as we as we progress. And I, in all honesty, no one knows what their the secret answer is, how do we make our, our game like that? And people say, deal with the French you, but the French that have, the French, The football in France isn't as competitive as football in England, yeah. which of course is the number one sport in England, yeah. and, and rightly so, and that that is a completely different ball, ball game, literally, because yeah. it's, um, you go to anywhere in the world, you'll see United top, you'll see yeah, yeah. Chelsea top or anything like that, whereas in France, Rugby is probably the dominant sport. Yeah. And especially within the TV world as well. So, so that's, um, it's an interesting way to look at it, but I think we definitely have to help teams. I like the fact that this year there's a derby weekend. Yeah. And I think that's something which clubs can get behind, fans get behind, the broadcasters can get behind, sponsors get behind, and it doesn't cost anything doing it it's done you're playing against your rival let's yeah, spice yeah. it up on social media yeah, all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff and as a player you want to play in derbies yeah, you want yeah. to play in the big games I used to love playing against Sounds because it means something to you it means something to the fans and that's important and I think little things like that we can build it because then hopefully we get I don't know, another 10% of people come and watch Yeah, um, I think we can invest in doing more in local communities yeah. in terms of getting people there I remember when I was playing, we were so worried about trying to get things going in America or get things going in this country or that country, actually. You think it was, yeah. Yeah, what, what's our home? What's our demographic? Let's. It's this southwest London and it's these kind of boroughs and counties and stuff like that. And let's let's go down into them and stuff. And, and whether that be, obviously it can be, be a bit of a hassle for players if they've got to drive to different locations. But maybe having a, once every two months, having a training session at, some local club as as the facility is good enough and you have an open session and you get them to come watch Um, and I think there's ways of doing that as well No for sure I
0: think they all sound quite smart um, decisions that the rugby clubs need to make specifically in this country then you know how do you feel about the future of the game and of the world itself I mean it does feel like it's at a junction where to push on it's got to do some you know it really does and uh, hopefully it can because I know and you'll know way more than me but from when I went to school I never didn't play rugby until you know, I got to sort of, you know, ten, eleven years old, but it's amazing. Great for teamwork, leadership, all of these things. It's great for, you know, to really develop kids' attributes. But how do you feel about it in, in this country at the moment? The future of it?
1: Yeah, it's like you said, it's at a real, it's at a real cross point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be interesting to see now the World Cup's done because yeah, the, I know the Premiership's going on, but the the whole focus of world rugby has been on the World Cup, hasn't yeah. it? No matter what leagues you're playing in. And it'd be really interesting now, so we, unfortunately, we lost three sides, gone down to 10 teams in a premiership. So we're going to play less games when the internationals are on now. Okay, good. So during the autumn and Six Nations, regular season. So the players, uh, your superstar players, your international players, are going to be playing for the club more and more. Then hopefully Mr Smith or whoever wants to come watch that game will want to come and see... Joe Marlow and Danny again yeah. and these type of guys are big names and, and not in a disrespectful way um, but then hopefully that brings more viewing people in and viewing eyes on the TV as well so that, that's going to be really important and then it's how do we respond, respond to that it's, it's an interesting point are the you in England going to suddenly do well, suddenly I know there's been a lot of talk in, in the media and stuff about central contracts Yeah, the way that Ireland do and Wales do and all that stuff and, and that may take a, a bit of the burden away from the clubs as well so it'd be interesting what the, the final decision is with that and if that does go ahead because we hear so much about world calendars we know this an international game drives and supports rugby in this country and we, yeah. you know, and we do need to remember that um, and it was a really interesting one I was I was chatting to someone not too long ago about does the Six Nations go on pay-per-view TV mm. um, or Sky and all that kind yeah. of stuff or does it say that an and it and the argument it can't, it can never do it. But there's, there's, it's a bit like the chicken and the egg. Yeah. If it goes on behind the paywall, more, more money, money comes into the game. Yeah. Then more money goes down to the smaller clubs. Yeah. If it's on, obviously uh, terrestrial, terrestrial TV, yeah. more people view it, but less money goes down, and then those clubs want money. Yeah. But there's less money there for them to receive. So it's that kind of, It's that fine balance. Yeah trying to do the right thing for the game but I don't think it's always uh, a black and white answer. no yeah, I
0: guess it's not but yeah I mean that's kind of what we did in the con- in this country with the Premier League right mm-hmm. it went you know behind the table and you know did, did phenomenally well and sort of snowballed from there
1: really um, let's talk I uh, think, sorry, I think, no, sorry I think cricket's done it as well yeah yeah. I mean I, mean, I'm I mean, cricket, cricket's exactly the same it, it's yeah. all kind of behind that but I mean we tried it but then also when we have the odd game on ITV as well yeah um the viewing figures are 10 times what they are on, on BT or TNT yeah. um, so it's that kind of fine balance of yes we need money in but also we need to see people yeah. so there's yeah, I don't think there's a simple answer no but I guess
0: it's good that people really having this conversation and mm-hmm. the World Cup has helped that and you know big big names like yourself are talking about mm-hmm. it and how we can progress the game on Um You've obviously you, you're captain England, you're captain Quins, uh, and you, to do that, you've obviously got to have strong leadership. Um, can you share some of the sort of the key principles of of effective leadership you learned from your your rugby career and how it can be you know helpful off the field as well?
1: Yeah, I've, I think with, with leadership and a lot of it, you you need good people around you. Yeah, you need people to not only challenge you but support you because. Mm. Definitely, leadership can be a very lonely place. Yeah, uh, there are times when I'd have to sit my mates down and basically tell them yeah. well, that wasn't good enough. Yeah, um, and then you need support. It, it can be a, a tough conversation to have, and it's it's never nice. Yeah. Uh, but as you get more experience, you kind of go through it and you do it a little bit more. So, so that was one. Yeah, surround yourself with good people and, and have good leaders. And I think with, with any any captain as well, it's never an individual thing. No. But I think for for me as well, it was um, leadership it was a twenty four seven thing. Yeah, I couldn't dip in and out of it. And look, don't get me wrong, there were times when I was tired and all that kind of stuff. But you would you would betray a brave face. Yeah, um, and maybe mentally that wasn't always good. But I thought, you know what, this is this is important. And I remember one thing: I when I first got called into the England squad, uh, I got called up late. There were some injuries, training squad, and we had a fitness test on the first yeah. day and a fitness people hate to do a fitness <laughs> tests. like it's never a nice no matter who you are no matter what, yeah, yeah. how fit you are yeah. it's, so and we did this fitness test and I remember all the experienced players didn't do it it was just young guys did it oh what because they sort of had the experience thought oh, I don't need well, to I, or, I don't know or maybe had a, a slight injury right. or something like that but it's something that stayed in the back of my head that I said yeah. you know what I'm never going to let that happen yeah, I'm yeah, never yeah. going to yeah. be that older guy on the side not yeah. doing it yeah. and after that or until the end of my career I never even though I was a little bit sore, I'd be out there training. Sure Unless out, I was yeah. properly hurt, I'd be on the training field. I didn't Lovely. want a young guy to be like, oh, he's not training because he's... More senior. Cap- yeah, a senior yeah. or yeah. captain in yeah. the team. Like, I would be, even if it was obviously hammering it down, whatever, I'd yeah. always make sure I was out there. So that, that for me was always an important thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to... To investing i think a lot of people especially when looking at individual companies to invest in they want to see strong leadership you know it's part of you know if, if a strong leaders there the company's going to prosper and prosper and prosper in sport would you say it's easy to spot who are good leaders and who are going to be potentially good leaders because do they have to be loud all the time or can it be leading through their actions on the pitch but would you say it's easy to spot who's going to be potentially
1: good um, yeah, you, you generally can. Um, uh, it could be body language. It could be. I don't. I don't think you always have to be the loudest. No. You don't always have to be the best. You don't have to. It, but you can generally tell. There's kind of a combination of things. There's the, the big thing for me is resilience. Yeah, it's resilience. Every single time, who's willing to get not get back out? Because we we have good and bad days. Yeah. but who keeps turning up? And yeah. and that for me is one of the huge fundamentals of leadership that whatever day you've had the day before the next day you get up, you go to work you go to training, you do whatever you you get back on the horse yeah. um, because there's no smooth sailing in, in life if you want to go well, you want to go far whether that be in sport, in business yeah. in anything it's um, it's a tricky road yeah. um, but you, you just got to keep on it yeah. keep getting back up, keep working hard and keep on improving so yeah, for me resilience was always one and then and then just try and learn learn yeah. from others uh, but be willing to almost be vulnerable a bit and say you know what I'm not good that. Like, you're yeah. better so why don't you take this role And being a leader it doesn't always have to be your voice Correct, and I think yeah. as a young leader I, I thought you know what it probably does you know I was insecure all yeah. that kind of stuff I had to be the one talking but the um, famous rowers of kind of Redgrave and Cracknell and all, all mm-hmm. the Pinson and all that um, had us saying if it makes the boat go faster do it yeah. If it doesn't, don't do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I like that. So, if it's your idea or not, if it makes a go fast, I'll do it, regardless of, of who's saying it, who's doing it, what the idea is. And yeah. first, it was to win and be successful. And of course, it's, it's a bit of a ba- balance with that. Um, but as you get a bit older, as you get a little bit more self-secure and confident and all that kind of stuff, your opinions do change a bit. Yeah,
0: and experience obviously helps massively as well. Uh, Rugby's well known for, you know, its camaraderie, its community Uh, how important has has that been uh, during your your rugby journey and and, and do you really notice it on like a match day, for example, when you'd be playing the importance of the crowd, the home crowd making the noise and all of that, does
1: it make a, a big difference or do you find it did? Yeah, it definitely does and I think that it's the bonds you create yeah. um, and a lot of rugby guys are pretty quiet guys You, of course you have a couple of interesting characters yeah. as you can probably imagine who they are yes. um, but guys just want uh, to get on with things yeah. um, and it's those bonds you create on the training field on those fitness tests on those wet dark days when you're suffering that that come back and and really pay dividends in the last five ten minutes of games because you've all mm. kind of been there and done it and it was similar things. I went and played in America for yep. a couple of years, a couple of seasons, and I come back and the hugs I got from my kind of club teammates and England teammates when I haven't seen I haven't seen them in years potentially. Yeah. And it's like you've missed nothing, uh, <laughs> but you embrace and you kind of crack on. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, it's those type of bonds which we've actually got a. Uh, the Harlequins reunion we nice. do once a year, yeah, um, and this weekend, so that'll be a, a fun day, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's it. Is you build
0: those bonds for for life, mm. don't you? And I, I remember listening to the commentary when England uh, went out, and I think there was, you know, a few of the players were talking after, and they were saying, "Well, you know, you having this experience just for the last two, three months, or whatever it is, you, you, you're part, you shared a journey with your team members that you're going to, you know, be able to talk about for life. So mm. it's obviously massively important. I mean. In the the build-up to the World Cup, people like me, fickle people that, uh, you know, maybe jump on the bandwagon, you know, and, you know, don't sing England's praises. Would that, in a way, is that demotivating for players? Or does it, like, think, oh, I'm going to go prove them wrong? Or is it, like, really frustrating to think, well, they could, you know, they're sitting on the armchair, they know nothing?
1: Or do you just learn to ignore it? A bit of all. yeah. Firstly you want to put two fingers up And say you know <laughs> yeah. what well, we'll show this guy Or whoever it is yeah. um, there, There's definitely an element to that And you you probably saw a little bit of that In some of the players' yeah. reactions yeah. Um, And that can bring you closer together as a squad mm. It can bring you together because it's, you know what It's like F this person, yeah. F that person yeah. We're going we're gonna to show them what we're about yeah. um, And it's about this group And, and also the other thing I, I think a, a lot of pundits and a lot of people Can be a bit a bit lazy with stuff. The like Irish, they assume Irish. they they assume they know what's going on. But I remember a lot a lot of former pundits and stuff that never ever came into England. But I said. What they thought was happening. Yeah, it's not once they come in for an afternoon watch training, chat to some of the players, chat to the. And you can't get a full view then, can you? But but also it's it's lazy. Yeah, it's lazy, yeah. and uh, I think it's important to to be able, for me. It's about preparation. Yeah, yeah. If if I'm going to do a TV game and, and that kind of stuff, I'll call a player, a player or coach or some type of inkling I have with that thing. And look, I don't want I don't want to get secrets. But what's what's happened this year? You look at different teams in that year. What have you worked on? People are like, oh, yeah, we had a really good bonding thing here. Then we've we've actually really progressed with our conditioning. We're doing conditioning. Mm-hmm. The end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just giving you a bit of flavor. Um, whereas I think some people haven't been in for, I don't know, 10 years. Wow, this stuff, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then they're just judging what they're getting on, newspaper reports or... Post game comments and stuff like that, and I think you need to give a bit more and, and understand the teams because dynamics is different now. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Dynamics
1: is different between players and coaches. For instance, a lot of players, a lot of former players, don't understand that. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. when some players, it's the coaches is and they tell you what to do, and if you yeah. don't do it, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now there's a bit more of a balancing act and a bit more kind of to and throwing. Yeah. um and that's like generations now like the younger, younger people coming through are, are different uh, yeah, I mean, even, changed, even that, yeah. people my age yeah. And yeah there was definitely a bit of that when I was a captain a guy captain in my career and yeah. uh, later in my career and definitely when I was captain an 18 year old when I was 34 was different, they were yeah. different to me, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. trying to understand that. And it, it wasn't easy, uh, and you would have to speak to them in a different way and, and try and understand their language. Some of the <laughs> stuff they were saying was <laughs> yeah, <know>. straight <laughs> over my head, um, but you got to try, you yeah. got to put yourself out there and really
0: try these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in high pressure situations, um, maintaining a winning mentality is obviously crucial. Can you describe how you, your team, manage to stay focused and keep a winning mindset? I mean, for in in investing they say psychology is massively important we know it is in sport as well would you have dedicated a large part of the sort of the week to like mental preparations as well
1: yeah i would have they, they say i mean getting in the rooms hard staying yeah. in the rooms even harder yeah uh, and it's exactly that winning after winning is is hard because everyone's aiming at you yeah um and, and with queens i remember we, we got to the top of the pile and unfortunately we did the same thing and Unfortunately, everyone else caught up with us. We yeah. thought we'd keep on an improving and we didn't. Whereas with England, we went two years unbeaten yeah. because we kept on evolving, and Eddie Jones, in particular, I know he he didn't didn't finish particularly well with England and people had a little shot of him but his, his ability to get the best out of players yeah. and little things like in between camps he would go away and study different organisations different sporting groups that's right, yeah. and see what they did and thought you know what i take a bit of that and yeah, I'll take I a bit of that good, yeah. but he always put it into his style yeah. and, and, that, and that was something he would he'd take bits but it would be his still um, so that, that was really important Yeah, so I can't remember the question. (laughs) Yeah, no, no,
0: but but, I mean, just just on that, it's it's actually really interesting about Eddie that he would go into different... Sports. I know as an Arsenal fan, I remember Mikhail Arteta saying they're in a group with Eddie Jones and other people, but also from the investing world, it's so important to learn from others, take bits and pieces from them. And I suppose you would have done that as a captain, seen people that you've been captain by, be like, oh, well, I'll take a bit of this, or I won't do it that way, or I'll take it from this gaffer or that one. And then it's just building that together. I suppose it's, it's
1: just experience is massive, isn't it? Yeah, experience is massive, but you've got to put yourself out there and ask as well. It yeah. doesn't just always come to you. Um, and I remember I went to speak to someone and I, I came back and I I just tried to replicate that person. I got yeah. laughed out of the room and the <laughs> rugby environment can be quite unforgiving. Quite bracing. Uh, and I tried something else and I put it in kind of, I made it authentic and put it in my style and it really resonated with some of the players. Yeah. Um, so I think you've got to learn, you've got to put yourself out, but you still have to be yourself. Yeah. You still have to be yourself and that's what's important. Like I've, I've been lucky. I've I would go talk to Tony Adams or Kevin Sinfield or Strauss, and and these type of international captains who had been there and done it, and uh, it was it was so interesting. And one I I always wish I spoke to is Owen Morgan. Yeah, I mean the cricketers speak about him and the way they speak, and he transformed the game. Yeah. um, just hearing snippets a bit again that maybe that's lazy by me like snippets from people here and there uh fascinating man yeah no
0: i i, I, I really like that and then you're right you got to be yourself but there's no harm in going and seeing bits mm. and pieces from other people and same with investing same with investing uh let's talk a little bit about your investing obviously you're you're into your wine i was uh, stalking your linkedin the other day yeah, i saw a nice picture of you doing the uh the courses how did that come about um enjoying it is it a long term focus how do you get introduced let a little bit about that yep
1: so I work for Phoenix Fine Wine yep. Investments um, so it's new to me I invested with in wine a long time ago probably yeah. 20 odd years ago and, and I met someone when I when I retired who who offered me an opportunity to explore it a little bit more and yeah. I, I've been really enjoying it with um, yes we ask people to invest and, and go down that kind of route like a, another passion as- yeah. asset and um, capital gains tax free and stuff which yeah. is of course its biggest haven yeah. um, but then also we do a lot of trips so we do a lot of trips down to Bordeaux and no, uh, I'm down to Tuscany next year and hopefully we take another group down to Bordeaux again next year as well yeah. so it's all that type of experience and I love experiences for me yeah. it's, it's that type of thing but I've really enjoyed it and look I've invested in various things throughout, throughout my life um, I've got a couple of coffee shops yep. uh, events team a soup bespoke clothing business yep. um, but also I've had some bad ones which, and, which is part uh, which is, of which it is, which is part of it I remember I, I invested in film Right, and for those out there, don't, don't invest in Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go too well, did it? It didn't go well. I lost some money. Yeah, I lost some money. But and, you learn uh, from it though, as well, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. And like, no investments are all, all smooth. I mean, yeah. we all wish they are, yeah. uh, especially in the, the time at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was definitely one which, yeah, if I had my time again, I definitely wouldn't go anywhere near. And it was excitement. I thought I was kind of already gold, and yeah, getting yeah into yeah. that <laughs> and seeing. Uh, a big kind of glamorous film or whatever it was, and no, it didn't didn't work out. But that, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. We, it's that roller coaster we're all on—good uh, and bad times. We get back up, and we don't shy away from things. No. So I think w- with any investments, you—it it could always happen, couldn't it? So yeah. don't don't put anything you're too worried about potentially yeah. losing as well.
0: And, and I think it's quite good to to have uh, sort of like a diverse investment portfolio. Like you said, you've got. The wine side of things, or you still do bits and pieces here, the suits, the coffee shops as well. It's not all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's pretty important as well. I mean, and I imagine that comes down to, you know, just having the experience as well, speaking to experienced, you know, heads that come before you. But, I mean, that's obviously part of your decisions as well, investing Yeah, wine.
1: yeah, very much. I've got, like everyone, stocks and shares as yeah. well, some property and bits, um... Would would you would you during the Harlequins days would,
0: would people come in and sort of talk about this or is it more you sort of find it all on your own and have the right um, people around
1: you l- a little bit of both uh, yeah. so people would come in yeah. and present uh, more more kind of stock and shares yeah. options and stuff like that maybe a little bit of property yeah for me I always wanted something exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted something more. Um, yeah. And and maybe that's just the dream dreamer me that. Um, and for me, it's it's always about people. investing yeah. uh, Invest in people. Of course, you want to see a good return and stuff. But I think mm. with a lot of it, anyone willing to quit their job and give things a go, I think it's yeah. always worth it. As long as the product is good, first. Yeah. Of um, I think that's always a good sign. Yeah. And with any investment, a lot of them they're not quick fixes. No. They're not quick fixes. You got you got to be in it um, and give it a go. And yeah, like I said, some have been good and, and some haven't, and that's very much learning. But as long as you have your your stable things as well to, yeah. to tick along, that's important. 100 percent,
0: hundred percent.
1: Part of what Etoro uh, has to offer is something called
0: Copy Trader, where we have these popper investors where people can see their portfolio in the history and decide, you know what, rather than invest myself, I'm gonna invest my money with them and if they make ten percent, I make ten percent. If you could go back to the, the Quinn's days or the England days and you had to put your money with someone investing, who who would you have uh, or one, would you have ever trusted any of the uh, the rugby boys with your money? Um, or
1: player.
0: yeah. Uh, was would there anyone be thought, oh, they're clued on, they're gonna they're gonna invest my money well or would you be like, Absolutely not.
1: I mean, generally the fly halves, are the clear on ones. <laughs> to be honest, owners. yeah, the the nines are more the, the characters and yeah. the spending their money in casinos yeah, or the yeah. the lavish ones or nice cars and yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah, the fly halves are generally the the stables switched on, <laughs> yeah. know a little bit, do a bit of research. Yeah. Whereas I think the rest have a bit of money and then yeah, we like a like a little gamble with some bits and investments here and there and stuff. Um, we actually had a, no, sorry, we had a we had a kit man actually with England who who got a lot of the players to invest in an IPO okay uh, did it go well? it did not go well <laughs> I, did, I didn't do it I didn't do it but <laughs> I think a good portion of yeah. the players lost lost a lot of money yeah, yeah. so that didn't that didn't go well so be careful if anyone tries to give you an insider tip yeah um, don't, well, I, I, don't I listen th- to them yeah I think
0: that's it you've got to do your own research right? Mm-hmm. On, on anything it is and, and by being diverse if it does if you do do something it doesn't work out it's fine because you've got your your other investments uh, elsewhere um concepts of, of teamwork massive in rugby um how do you build trust and cohesion within a team uh, and what can leaders in other fields that maybe are listening to this sort of learn from your experiences that you've had
1: yeah i think a lot of obviously we go through it in sport is very different to business there's yeah. of course a lot of similarities we can take but we're we're very, obviously very physical um, and going out there, doing it every single day, every single week, all that kind of stuff. But I think in, in business, it can be the same in terms mm. of you're turning up, you're doing your job to the best of your ability, you're helping, you're accountable, yeah. and accountability, I think, is the biggest thing. If someone asks you to do something, do it. And if yeah. you ask them to do something, you expect it done. Um, and, and for me, that's exactly, exactly it. You do your job. Do your job to the best of your ability. And I think with that, there's there's a huge amount of trust because you know things are going to be done. There's nothing worse than asking someone to do something and you know they're unreliable or might not turn up. Um, So firstly, look at yourself. Look at yourself. Make sure you are that person who is reliable, accountable, all that kind of stuff before you ask favours from other people. And I think, again, when I sat down with Tony Adams, the old Arsenal in the footballer, he said you've got to be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. I love that, yeah. Obviously, that was with his alcoholism yeah. and all that kind of stuff but that that's always been really important to me if you're if you're faking it in any way you're going to be found out very so quickly make, as yeah, well, yeah exactly so make sure you get your own house in order before you try and lead everyone else yeah
0: no that's it and then Tony Adams of course as an Arsenal fan I absolutely love him so yeah, uh, yeah good to hear that a um, couple more more questions we'll go through uh, and just going back to, to the investing side of things for you what exactly would you you know look for whether that be the wine the coffee shop or or whatever it is the suit stuff you know is it a case of right this is me for you know to deal with my retirement or to look for the next 20 30 years or by the time you know i get down the line i can then you know have a bigger pot to then distribute to kids or whatever it might be like how do you sort of take each decision investing wise
1: yeah there, is it like a long term outlook yeah I think I think that's definitely a bit of long term because we don't all want to work forever no, do we absolutely and I, I think that's it but you want to have enough you want to have I don't know a nice house and go on yeah. holidays and stuff like that and, and you want to you want to be able to afford that and know that things are taken care of um, and you want to provide for your family you know in a kind of old school way um, and make sure they, they can be have a comfortable life as well and so yeah that that's always always important um I don't necessarily believe in the the, the quick schemes. I, I no. must admit I have invested in some and they they worked out very well. But I, yeah. I got out very early and yeah. I, I made some money. But then I know some people who hang around in them and it, it went completely tits <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as some do, some um, do. And I think yeah, look, it, it's setting the future up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, look, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position. I've I played and, and pretty well through rugby, but it's not enough to yeah. retire on. Yeah. Um, so again, you need to look at other things. You need to have the the pensions, the Isis, all all the kind of the unglamorous stuff, yeah, yeah. but it's going to look after you in the future.
0: That's it, and it can, it can compound over time, mm-hmm. of course, and that's important. Okay, final question then, prediction time. Uh, rugby Prem, how are you feeling about your old side, um, Quinn's? Have they got a chance
1: to... Uh, to go all the way this year do you think I do yeah I do I think their squad's really good I think they've got some good guys coming back from England they've added Joe Lawnsbury to the team which I think is going to be a huge asset Um, and I think they're hungry and the last couple of years they've missed out I think they've got a good age group of that squad now uh, to go and really progress um, and I think they're definitely in the top four. And I think once you're in the top four, then anything's Anything possible. It's, it's yeah. knockout rugby, isn't it? Yeah. I think you can never look too far away from Saracens as well. I think they're going to be good, especially what, what, if you're playing more games with your internationals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're going to be strong. I think Bath actually looking. I don't know, they've only played a couple of games. Finn Russell seems to be pulling the strings quite nicely down there. Um, I think Sale are going to be good again. So for me, that, that's my top four. I think it's going to be one of those guys. But then it's, again, you get to knock out rugby. Someone has a good day, someone has a bad day. Um, but it's so competitive, and that's why we yeah. love the Premiership, isn't it? It's uh, a competitive league, and anyone can beat anyone. And, and that's why it's, it's so hard to win and try to be successful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to it. And uh, Chris, thank you very much for, for coming on today absolute pleasure cheers mate you have been listening to digest and invest by eToro for more information use eToro.com